Please stand together with me this morning. We're going to go to the Word of God. We're going to go to Scripture. I want to direct your attention this morning to Colossians, the book of Colossians, New Testament epistle to the Colossian church, chapter number 3. Does that bring back any memories? You're going to have to dig a little bit. Colossians 3. We called it the three key. And I found in this chapter of the Bible is it covers the gamut of human experience in the Christian life from the first to the last verse of chapter 3. It's powerful. I'm not going to do that this morning. But I do have four verses I feel impressed of the Lord to, to bring to you, and I'm actually excited to preach out of these four verses this morning. Primarily, we're going to land at verse number 4, and that's where I really want to take my text from. All right, Colossians 3, say amen if you got it. It shouldn't be that hard because it's on the screen. (laughs) If you, the Bible says, be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things, he says this for the second time, reading verse number one, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For... Conjunctive, connecting this statement with the previous statement, for you are dead. Is that encouraging? As long as you understand what it means, it is encouraging. Look at your neighbor and say, you're dead. You're a dead man. You're a dead woman. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. Now, we probably ought to, I mean, don't get too much joy out of saying that to your husband or wife or friend. You are dead. What does that mean? That means the old me. The old man. The Bible talks about the old man. That's not talking about your father. The old man is crucified. It's not talking about your dad's dead. It means your dead. The old man has been crucified. The old me, the old Ron Lichtel, the old sinner, the old foul mouth, uh, foul living, uh, drunk. He, he's gone. That, that, the old man is dead. For you are dead, it says, and here's the good news, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Man, is that good news for us. It's better news for some of us considering what our life used to be. The prison record you had, the horrible, terrible reputation you used to have. Oh, thank God. The Bible says your life is now hid with Christ in God. Oh, Jesus. I didn't even start it here, but it's like those, you know, the eggs. You open one egg and there's another egg inside of it. There's another egg inside of it. It's like your life is hid with Christ in God. You know, it's like you're hidden in, in, in Jesus. And so the devil... You know what he wants you to do? He wants you get to get out of Christ and to get back into your old life that you used to be dead with. It's kind of like we used, to, we used to play a game when we were kids. It was hide and seek. And we'd say, I don't know what this means. I don't know if it was Greek or what. We'd say, Ali, Ali, I'm from free. Did you guys do that? Is that a Michigan thing? I have no idea what that means. And then you say, come out, come out wherever you are. And it's like Satan is saying, come out, come out from wherever you are. Come out of your place of hiding. Come out of Christ. Get back into the world, sin and Satan. We say, no, my life is hid with Christ and God. I like right where I am. I'm in a good position. Jesus has changed my life. And my life is hid, is hid with Christ in, in God. Now, all of that uh, preempts verse number four. Man, I feel like preaching this message. It preempts verse number four. And then he says, in light of that, when Christ, comma, who is our life, shall appear then shall you appear with him David in glory Mm. that's like that's like a good bite of porterhouse steak it just sets well when Christ comma who is our life God I want to preach this morning Christ who is our life Christ, who is our life. Amen. This isn't a church thing. This isn't a religion thing. This isn't a Sunday thing. This isn't a Christmas and Easter thing. This is a Jesus thing. And he's my life. He's my life. He's my life. 
in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Amen. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Our life is in Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let me just open up my clear bottle of water here. Get this ready. Thank you, by the way, Malcolm. The only bottle I have is one of those little sissy bottles. I mean, you can't look like a man drinking out of a bottle that big. I'm sorry. It's just, it's hard. I better put the top on it, though. Make it crazy around here. The incident happened almost exactly 20 years ago. It was none other than the illustrious Church of the Holy Cross in Midtown Manhattan, New York. The church was located on West 42nd Street, and it has a very rich tradition. Patrick Duffy, the famous World War I chaplain, was its first notable leader. Returning from Europe, Duffy was sent to Hell's Kitchen, one of the roughest parts of New York City. His parish, they say, extended westward all the way to Times Square. So notable were his accomplishments in that rough area that to this day, if you were to visit this, this particular locale, his statue stands in the heart of Times Square. Yet it wasn't a statue of Father Duffy which was stolen. It was an item from within the church itself. It was a four-foot-tall, 200-pound plaster rendering of Jesus Christ. The statue, as they say was unbolted from its wooden cross near the church's entrance. One of the church workers, David St. James, was confused by the theft. He thought that it didn't make any sense. It was as if the thieves must have decided, we're going to leave the cross and we're going to take Jesus. Now that's a real launch point and I'm going to leave that alone because there's a lot of preaching that could be done right there. They left the cross, but they took Jesus. Oh, but uniquely, it was not the church's first theft. Recently, someone had made off with a metal offering box in which people dropped donations to purchase the votive candles at the Catholic Church. This was something different, however. Someone stole Jesus. No windows were broken, no signs of forced entry. Someone carried Jesus right out the front door of the church. Someone stole Jesus out of the church. That's weird. I mean, could you imagine like going to hell? You're standing before God. You're a thief. What did you steal? I stole Jesus. Stole a pat plaster rendering and statue of. I mean, I mean, what did the guy do with it? What do you do with the stolen Jesus? You hang them up in your room? I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe it was a result because I, I don't know. But people would would kneel before that plaster uh, statue of Jesus and they would pray and they would offer up special. Maybe they thought if somehow they could steal Jesus and bring Jesus home, they could set up an altar in their you know in their basement and and they, and they could not have to go to church. They could just someone stole Jesus. Can you imagine? Jesus ain't there anymore. I mean, you could say the church of the Holy Cross lost Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. Can you have church without Jesus? I, I think now, you, you realize this is tongue-in-cheek, right? just want to point that out. But can you imagine trying to have church without Jesus? I think somebody in the church needs to have a sense of determination in their heart that says, Jesus needs to be secure in our church. No one is gonna steal Jesus out of my church. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Katie, bar the door. We need to make sure that Jesus is secure in the church. We can't have, can I just remind everybody? We can't have church without Jesus. 
We can't have life without Jesus. We can't have peace without Jesus. We can't have joy without Jesus. We can't have strength without Jesus. We can't have victory without Jesus. We can't have the life that we need to have without Jesus because Jesus is the quintessential everything that we need in our life. He is not something. He is everything. And we are here this morning to lift up this Jesus, to praise this Jesus and to love this Jesus. Our lives don't work without Jesus. If there's one thing that we all know in this place here today, at least I would say the majority of us know here today, and it's what brought us to this place and why we have what we have in our life is because we came to a point that we realized that this life doesn't work without Jesus. I've got to have Jesus in my life. I've got to have God working in my life because Jesus is everything. Jesus is my all. Jesus is none other than the awesome God. And if you take Jesus out you have nothing but if you add Jesus to it you have everything because Jesus is my everything Jesus is my God he's my king he's my Lord he's my peace he's my everything I've got to have Jesus in my life oh praise God man don't steal Jesus taking Jesus out of the church. The Bible says Colossians 2 and 9, for in him, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In Jesus dwells all the fullness. That, that Greek word means the contents. That means the completeness. That means the total quality that in him, in Jesus, dwelt the completeness of the Godhead in a human body. That means that when you saw Jesus, you saw all that God ever was and all that God ever was going to be was located within the body of Jesus Christ. He's not the second person of a fictitious trinity. I don't mean to be mean. But the fullness of the God had dwelt in him bodily. That when you saw Jesus, you saw the invisible Jehovah, the Old Testament, in a human body. You said you saw God manifest in the flesh. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's only one God. There's not three gods. There's not three persons of God. There's only one God. And when you saw Jesus, Jesus, you saw the full manifestation of the invisible God in a human body, in the flesh. When you saw Jesus, you saw God. All the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in him bodily. Can we clap our hands and thank God for that revelation? Can we praise the Lord that we know who he is? Can we thank God that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord? Oh, hallelujah, we worship you. We thank you, Jesus. He is the focus of our worship. He is the focal point of our religion, if you will. He is what makes the church the church. He is the head of all principality and power. The fullness of the Godhead, all the contents, all that God ever is and could and would be was located within the body of the man Christ Jesus. He was God manifest in the flesh. That's who he is. But this is very, very important. Colossians 2 and 10 equally says this. And because we know that, are you ready? You are complete in him you know what that means you're complete in Jesus you are complete you say well I don't have money well I don't have health well I don't have friends if you've got Jesus you got everything you need there's a lot of things in life I can live without. You say, I don't have a lot of zeros in my bank account, but oh, I have Jesus. 
I may be sick this morning, but oh, I have Jesus. I may not have a lot of talent in my life, but I've got Jesus. I may not have a home to live in today, but oh, I got Jesus. Well, I don't have a car to drive, but I got Jesus. I don't even have a job right now, but I got Jesus. You may be lonely and say, I don't even have a spouse right now, but I got Jesus. And if I got Jesus, I got everything that I need because you are complete in Jesus. Hallelujah. At the end of the day, he's all that you need. At the end of the day, the fullness of the Godhead dwell in him bodily. And you are complete in Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Because it's all about Jesus. I come to bring this thing to a fine point here this morning. It's all about Jesus. Every song is about Jesus. Every altar service is about Jesus. Every church service is about Jesus. Every preached word ought to be about Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, it's about Jesus. When I eat my lunch, it's about Jesus. When I go to bed at night, it's about Jesus. Everything in my life is about Jesus. And the truth is, you can have everything that this world says you ought to have. And if you don't have Jesus, you got nothing. You can have everything in this world, but if you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything. But you know what? You can have nothing according to what this world says you ought to have. But if you've got Jesus, you've got everything because Jesus is everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If I took this Bible and I were to, it'd be a bad move, but if I were to take this Bible and I were to light it on fire and burn it up until all that was left was a pile of ashes. And I took those ashes and I put them into a Ziploc bag and, and I closed that bag and I put one word that would describe everything in this Bible. There's one word and that word is Jesus. If you want to put this thing in a Bunsen burner, you boil down this entire book uh, from the book of Genesis uh, to the final chapter of Revelation, there's one summary synopsis word uh, that encapsulates all that this Bible is, uh, and that word uh, is Jesus. Uh, it's about Jesus. Uh, every page of this Bible has an arrow. The Old Testament, the arrows are pointing forward uh, that God is coming. Uh, Jesus is coming. Every word after his resurrection is pointing backwards and saying, he came, he came, he came, Jesus came. Because everything in this world is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Did you come to church hungry this morning? He's the bread of life. Did you come to church thirsty this morning? He's the fountain of living water. Are you confused in your mind? Isaiah the prophet said, thou shalt call his name wonderful counselor. Jesus will be your counselor. Are you sick? Then Jesus is the great physician. Are you lost? I've got good news today. He's the good shepherd. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. He's the head of the body of Christ. He's the firstborn from the dead. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. All power in heaven and earth belongs to him. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the root and he's the offspring of David. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the chief cornerstone. He's the Lamb of God. He's the true vine. It's all about Jesus. I hope I'm not boring some of you. I'm just preaching about Jesus. He's the one we're singing about. 
He's the one that I'm preaching about today. He's the one that's held my life together. He's the one that's kept me. He's the one that's walked with me. He's the one that's lifted me. He's the one that saved me. He's the one that brought me out of sin. He's the one that forgave me of all the mess in my life. He's the one that connected me with every good thing that I have in this life. Every good thing I have in this life has come from Jesus. It's not me, not the government, it's not the finances that come from the job, it comes from Jesus. Jesus is my supplier. Jesus is my God. And I worship him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. That's why we're all here today. Oh, that the Christian church, let the Christian church get back to it. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He is our life. This body of believers that we are a part of, this welded group of believers that are here in this house this morning, we are together because we have found an incomparable solution to life's complexity and impossibility. We have been freed from addiction because of Jesus. We have been freed from heartache and pain because of Jesus. We have been freed from hatred because of Jesus. He has elevated us. He has strengthened us. He has blessed us. And he has helped us because it's all about Jesus. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. G. Thomas said, and I quote, since the days of Christ, in spite of all the progress of thought, not a single new ethical ideal has been given to the world. Jesus. Mark Hopkins said, no revolution has ever taken place in society can be, be compared to that which has been produced by the words of Jesus Christ. And I really like this quote. Uh, Kenneth Scott LeTourette said, as the centuries passed, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on this planet. And he said, that influence appears to be mounting. I feel that. I feel that in our world today. Though there is darkness that is trying to invade the earth, there is another power that is at work in the earth that is pushing against that, that is mounting through the centuries. And what that is, is it is the power of Jesus. It is the name of Jesus. It is the person of Jesus. It's the pure and lovely one that has changed our life and is seeking and saving the Lord and trying to reach those that are outside of the good news of Christ. He is reaching, he is helping, he is lifting. It's about Jesus this morning. It is about Jesus this morning. You say, well, pastor, you're sounding a little bit fanatical here today. Oh, yes, that's because we are. We're fanatical about it. It's Jesus in the morning. It's Jesus at noon. It's Jesus at night. It's Jesus for breakfast. It's Jesus for lunch. It's Jesus for dinner. It's Jesus when I lay my head on my pillow at night. It's Jesus when I get up and go to work. It's Jesus in the church. Amen. It's Jesus on Monday. It's Jesus on Tuesday. It's Jesus on Wednesday. It's, it's not just Jesus on Sunday. It's Jesus on Friday on my day off. It's not just Jesus, you know, once a week or once a year. It's Jesus every day. It's Jesus every moment. It's Jesus every minute. It's Jesus every second. Because it's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Praise God. Man, I feel like just, just taking a deep dive like a cannonball right now. Just saying, and if you need him, you can have him. 
Come on, I'm after somebody here today. If you're lost, you can be found. If you're a sinner, you can become a saint. And let me tell you why. Because it's Jesus. It's Jesus that'll lift you. It's Jesus that'll heal you. It's Jesus that'll help you. It's Jesus that'll forgive you. It's Jesus that'll take away your sins in the waters of baptism. It's Jesus that'll give you a new mind. It's Jesus that'll give you a new heart. It's Jesus that'll clean you up. It's Jesus that'll make you sober. It's Jesus that'll give you a right mind. It's Jesus that'll fix your marriage. It's Jesus that'll fix your life. It's Jesus that'll cleanse your record. It's Jesus as the answer to everything. It's Jesus. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. And he said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. We lift up you, Jesus. We lift up the cross. We lift up the blood. We lift up the crucified Christ, the resurrected Christ. We lift you up this morning. We lift you up in Itasca County. We lift you up in Grand Rapids. We lift you up in Deer River. We lift you up in Chisholm. We lift you up in Hibbing. You are the answer for the Northland. We lift you up, Jesus. Come on, I feel revival bubbling. I feel revival brewing. And it's because of Jesus. Revival will come on the wings of Jesus. Life change will come on the wings of Jesus. Community transformation will come because of Jesus. Trauma reboot will be effective because of Jesus. Bus ministry will work because of Jesus. Church is going to grow because of Jesus. People are going to be delivered because of Jesus. Man, you say you people are fanatical. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because we found he whom our soul longed for. That's why we're fanatical. We're fanatical because we found the only thing in this life that works. It's Jesus. He picked me up. He turned me around. He set my feet on solid ground. Gave me a new mind. Gave me a new heart. Freed me. It's Jesus. Jesus did that. I want to break through the stubborn prison that some of you are in in your mind right now. Some of you are in your mind in, in a prison of your mind saying you'll always be what you've always been. You've always struggled. You're always going to struggle. If Jesus gets involved and you get a hold of Jesus, I'm telling you that Jesus Jesus can change your life. Jesus does that. He is a specialist in life change. He is the one that can do it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I was praying this week and, and I got to thinking about it and and. I, I don't know in all the years that I've served the Lord that it's, it's very far out of my mind the moment that Jesus changed my life when I was 15 years old. It comes up so frequently. I think it's part, I think that's one way to backslide proof your life. You can backslide proof your life if you can remember. Don't ever forget where you came from. Don't ever forget it. And don't ever forget what God did for you in the moment that he came in. That transformative moment. Don't ever forget it. Don't let it slip out of your memory or out of your mind. Don't ever forget what Jesus did for you. And I was walking around here one morning this week and I was thinking about it. And I was so thankful. And I was thinking about, I know I'm repetitive. It's an age thing. But, uh. Uncle Bob and Aunt Brenda, Bob and Brenda, and I, was, and I was thinking about them this week, and I was praying, I was thinking about how wonderful they were to, to share Jesus with my family and invite my family, and I was thinking about it, and I thought, man, we got to get Bob and Brenda here. My, my, my soul winner, Dave, has never, never been, we got to get them here. I was just, I was just thinking, and I was, I was just thinking, thank God for the person that brought Jesus to me. I'm so thankful that they brought Jesus to me. I'm so thankful that they loved me. I'm so thankful that they brought me to Jesus. Jesus. I'm so thankful that they brought me to a church that preached John 3, 5. 
Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except you be born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Born of the water and of the spirit. So thankful that they brought me into a church where I heard Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you. Are, Are you ready? In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. No, 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 no. In the name of Jesus, because it's about Jesus. How could we say everything's about Jesus uh, and then we abrogate him to three titles? Uh, It's the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. uh, Singular, it's the name of Jesus. That's why it's not semantics. It's not just a UPC thing or a ROL thing. It's a Bible thing that every time they did it, they did it in the name of Jesus. The one that I worship, the one that I love, the one that's my God, the one that takes my sins away. It's the name of Jesus. And I heard that in the church. And my Uncle Bob and Aunt Brenda brought us to, I'm so thankful for that. It was in that little converted elementary school building, little, little tiny old building, uh, 500 West Gardenia, uh, shag blue carpet, eight foot ceilings that if you jumped high enough, you could scratch them. And it was in that altar where I came to the front and, and, and two weeks after I was baptized was standing in the front of the church there with my hands lifted and, and, the, and the Pentecostal holy huddle was around me and they were praying with me and I spoke with tongues for the first time and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. All I can say this morning is thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus for sending someone my way. Thank you Jesus for Jesus name baptism. Thank you for the power of God and all of us that are here this morning and whom all the family in heaven and earth is named the scripture says in whom all the family in heaven and earth is named the family of God we have a family name do you know what our family name is it's the name we were baptized in we've got a family name in this church it, it, it's not Lictal it's not Dravlin it's not Marlette we got a family name and the family name is Jesus 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 I don't care if you're black I don't care if you're white I don't care if you're Asian it doesn't matter if you're native it doesn't matter if you're a little girl little boy doesn't matter if you're 98 years old if you're in Christ we've got one family name it is the name of Jesus the name of Jesus praise God That's what makes us a church. He's the lightning rod. He's the gathering point. Old Testament writer said, unto him shall the gathering of all the people be. Unto unto him. We're gathering to, that's why we're here today. We're here gathering unto, unto Jesus. Let's magnify the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Oh, God, keep us focused on you. Keep us focused on you. Keep us focused on you. A person told of waiting in the airport for the arrival of a friend when she saw a man carrying two suitcases running toward a nearby family. She watched the man as he dropped his luggage and madly embraced his children. They laughed and they cried. Then the man hugged his wife and said, I love you and I, I miss you. After a few moments of this, the bystanders summoned the courage to ask politely how long the man had been away. Two whole days, he replied. (laughs) She was shocked. The way he acted toward his family, she would have thought that he'd have been gone much longer than that. She politely responded, well, I hope that my marriage will one day be that passion after only being gone for two days. The man stopped smiling and looked directly at her, saying two very powerful words. He said, don't hope, decide. Don't hope, decide. Don't hope, decide. As she watched the family disappear, her friends showed up and asked, what are you looking at? Without hesitation, she replied, my future. My future. My future. Why? That's what I want. I want that kind of passion. I want that kind of love. Don't hope, decide. I've come to preach here this morning. Don't hope, 
decide. Somebody's here today, you need to get off the fence. You need to get off the fence. Don't hope, decide. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer. Don't hope, decide. Don't just stand and look at other people that are living for God and saying, man, I've been coming to church here for about four months now, and, and man, it looks like what they have is awesome, and that's why I'm here today. Don't hope, decide. In fact, I think somebody this morning just might need to make the decision that this morning is the morning that I repent of my sins and I get baptized in Jesus' name. I've been procrastinating. I've been putting it off. I've been thinking about it. I've been saying someday my ship will come in. Maybe today is the day of salvation and now is the appointed time. Maybe today is the day when you say, I'm not just hoping anymore. That's what I want out of my life. Just like that lady saw the couple that was so in love that they felt alone after two days of being apart. When you see the love of God and another saint of God and you see their passion for God and you say, I want that. That's my future. What I'm saying here today is get off the fence. Make the decision. I'm taking the step. I'm going to commit my life to Jesus. I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm deciding it's Jesus. It feels good, doesn't it, JP? <laughs> Don't feel better to be on this side of things? <laughs> I, could pick on, I could pick on JP right now. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> JP spent a long time on the other side of the fence, looking over the fence, contemplating, waiting, and not ready. I don't think so. Let me tell you what, God will set your life up. It'll put you in a predicament where you realize that what you don't have is better than what you do have. That what you don't have is superior to what you've had. That Jesus is better than smoking dope. Jesus is better than just living together. <laughs> living together ain't marriage. I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Jesus. And when you take that step, JP stood right here and he told me, he said, man, if I'd have known this, I'd have done this a long time ago. <laughs> well, duh. I mean, we've only been telling you that like 69,000 times. Sometimes it takes a little while to get through. Don't hope. Decide. Come on, get it together, somebody. Get it together. Make up your mind. I'm living for God. I'm doing what God wants me to do. All right. There's nothing worse than a preacher that opens with a text and never touches it for the rest of his message. So I'm, I'm going to try not to do that, all right? Colossians 3 and 1. In a moment you are saved, born again. Listen, the focus of your life changes. You have a God now. When you're born again, you have God, a God, the God. He is the God of your life, and the entire focus of your life changes. I want you to think about that. When you're born again, from that point forward, the focus of your life changes. That brings us to Colossians 3. He said, if you then be risen with Christ, if you've been risen with Christ, if you've been filled with the Spirit, if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall likewise quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwells in you. When you get the Holy Ghost, you rise. Okay? You got the Holy Ghost. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. <clears throat> Everybody say above. above. So I'm looking up now. I've got a better future. I'm not just looking in this earth and this life. He said, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Seek those things that are above. Next verse. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Are you ready? He's saying, stay target focused. <clears throat> you have a target in your life now. Stay target focused. At that point, because there's a lot of things that want to get you off target, yes. right? I'm not going to get into the whole hunting thing, all right? But you got targets. You got a target, okay? You got to stay focused on your target. If you're going to hit anything, you've got to have a target. You got to stay target focused. All of us. Target focused on that life which is above, which is in Christ. For, he said, you are dead. Where's Lori at? Lori, we should have brought the skeleton in. We could have brought the skeleton in. We did the Colossians three years ago. We had the skeleton. And I said, this is you. Because you're dead. You're dead. You're dead with Christ. The old life is dead. What you used to be is dead. And you've got to count yourself as dead. The old person, when he tries to, when that skeleton tries to get up and get into your life, you need to say, no, in the name of Jesus, that, that guy is dead. 
you need to grab yourself by the nap of the neck and say, I will not do that. Come on. Some of you are waiting for God to do it and God's waiting for you to do it. You say, I've all the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost helped you. He gave you the word. He gave you the spirit. <laughs> Trying to be nice. Don't be a numbskull. Stop being dumb. Okay. So when that flesh starts to try to rise up again, say, no, I, I, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of God. No, children of God don't talk like that. Children of God don't walk like that. Children of God don't act like that. Children of God don't do things like that. You are dead. Yes. Keep them dead. Keep yes. them dead. That's what he said. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. You want to know how you live for God? Crucify the flesh. We were having fun talking about Jesus, but now you're talking about my flesh. Well, you lift Jesus up, and then you mortify, put to death the flesh. Let it die, the old you, the sinner you, the dope smoker, the pervert, the womanizer, the liar, the thief, the cheat, the foul mouth, the drinker, the druggie. Kill it, let it die. It's what he said. It's what the book says. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. Here we go. Are you ready? Are you ready? I hope you're ready. The air conditioning's still on, isn't it? I'm really sweating. But... Come on, Malcolm. Can you give me a little more air up here? <laughs> All right, here we go. Verse number four. Here's the potent principle. Here's what we'll end this morning. Are you ready? Set your affection on things above. For you are dead, your life is hid with Christ. When Christ, comma, who is our life God let that sink in my wife and I this is one of our favorite scriptures this living for Jesus stuff it's our life this is our life this is our life this is not a Sunday thing this isn't a religious thing this isn't a, oh I'm a Pentecostal thing this is a Jesus thing come on church it's a Jesus thing Jesus is our life he's not a hobby living for God this isn't a club this isn't a pastime this is our life Jesus isn't a Sunday thing he's an everything Jesus is who we are living for Jesus is our life he is our whole life. He's not a hobby. He's not a pastime. He's not an extra. He is our life. Jesus is our life. Okay, pause. Parenthetical. This is why some people, they struggle in their walk with God. Let me tell you why they struggle in their walk with God. Because Jesus isn't their life. Because when Jesus becomes your life, it's everything. If he's just, if he's, if he's like playing second or third fiddle, guess what? God doesn't want to be second or third fiddle. One of the last things that John said was, children, keep yourself from idols. God doesn't want another God on the throne of our lives. But when we make Jesus the focus of our life, he is our life. When you make Jesus your life, man, living for God gets so much easier. It's like it's reflex, man. It's what we do. It's like, oh, man, there's so many applications to this. It's, it's just crazy. It's just once you have the grid work in your heart and in your life of the word of God and the spirit of God and a desire to please God and Christ is your life, then all of a sudden it makes life so much easier because every decision you make now is flooded through the grid work of it's for Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's, does this please Jesus? Is this for Jesus? Uh, I, I want Jesus to be happy with my life. When Jesus becomes my life, living for God gets a lot easier. As a matter of fact, so many of the decisions of my life are automatically made when Jesus becomes my life. The problem is there are too many people that are contemplating decisions that have already been decided. I wonder if I should do this. You know what you're supposed to do and not do. You know, it's, it's amazing. I've pastored long enough and I've worked people long enough. It's amazing. I, I, I can't tell you the amount of people at, at, at different seasons of life, they'll say, oh, I'm going to pray about that. I'm like, shut up. You don't need to pray about that. 
There ain't nothing to pray about. It's in the word of God. It's what Jesus wants out of your life. You don't need to pray about it. You need to do it. <laughs> that was complicated, wasn't it? It's like, no, it's just when Jesus becomes your life, man, live for God gets so much easier. Because when, when Jesus is my life, my decisions are guided by him. Our decisions are guided by him. The choices that I make in life, uh, they're, they're for Jesus. Because Christ is our life. Christ is our life. My decisions are predicated on Jesus. Because Jesus is my life. Yeah. My fight. You say, oh, I'm, I'm so worried about my finances. You don't need to be worried about your finances if you're living for Jesus and you're obedient to Jesus. That means when I go to the bank, uh, I can say, thank God my God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He has a limitless su supply. My God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory. He's my God. It's Jesus. When Christ becomes my life, uh, then all of a sudden, now I can, I can give my finances to him. When Christ is my life, my parenting belongs to him. Whether to, to spank or not to spank, that is the question. <laughs> I've read in the book of Proverbs, put them in a timeout. Uh, you just think about that. You just take that home and do your homework. <laughs> You're like, Pastor, I looked all through Proverbs. I found nowhere where there's a timeout. <laughs> Not saying don't use a timeout. You're, I'm just saying a lot of people are saying things you shouldn't do that the Bible says you should do. When Christ, who is our life, he enters into my parenting. When Christ becomes my life, then my education is predicated upon him. When we're studying, that we're studying. Amen. When Christ becomes my life, the clothing in my closet belongs to Jesus. That whole question gets so simply and easily answered. Jesus is my life. And if he's my life, it predicates the clothes that I put on my body. That ain't no thing. That ain't no big deal. People make a big deal. Ain't no big deal. Christ is my life. When Christ is my life. Man, he's my, when I'm mowing the lawn, he's my life. I was going to say, when I'm doing the dishes. I don't do the dishes, but... <laughs> That's not a sexist statement. I just, I gave those up a long time ago. <laughs> not that I'm unwilling. I mean, I did enough dishes, I think, for the first 17 years of my life. I just swore off of them. No more dishes. Anyway, when you're doing, it's Jesus. When you're doing the dishes, when you're vacuuming the front, when you're vacuuming the, the carpet in your living room, when you're painting a wall, it's Jesus. Jesus is my God. Come on, church. When, when you're troubleshooting a problem, it's Jesus. When you're crying over losses and you're crying over crosses, it's Jesus. When your heart's sick and you're lonely, it's Jesus. When you're stressed over your finances, it's Jesus. When you're confused over issues in life, it's Jesus. The flip side is when you have a promotion at work and all of a sudden another zero gets added to your bank account, you say, it's Jesus. Thank God it was Jesus. Come on. When you sell your house, you say, it's Jesus. Thank God. Look at what God did. When you get a raise at work, you say, it was Jesus. Thank God. Look at what God did in my life. It's Jesus. Uh, amen. How we think, how we act, how we talk. Everywhere we go and everything we do, it's Jesus. We have his guidance. We have his leadership. We, has his, we have his help on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday. It's Jesus. When you catch a five-pound bass, it's Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to start giving Tucker a hard time. I'm going to start bringing a scale, though. <laughs> Every fish is, fish is a five-pound fish. <laughs> and you look, and it's, you got the picture, and it's held out seven feet. Sucker looks this big, man. But man, when, when you're fishing the Kenai River, and you catch your first salmon, it's Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's Jesus. What are you saying? I'm saying it's Jesus in the morning. Jesus night. Hallelujah. When you're pouring concrete, and you're at work, it's Jesus. I'm living for God. I'm living for God. Because he is nothing short of our life. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, Jesus is our life. Thank God. 
All right, I'm going to close. Music, if you'd come. The final part of that verse, I love this verse, and I've got really good news for us to, to think about as we live our life. When Christ, the Bible says, who is our life shall appear. <laughs> Trying to figure out where that fits in. <laughs> Ding. When Christ, who is our life, Christ, who is our life, I got a revelation right now. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory. You know, there's a lot of people, listen, that are worried about heaven or hell. Am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? If you make Jesus your life, you can stop worrying about that. Heaven is not our goal. Heaven is our destiny. We don't make heaven our goal. We make Jesus our goal. And heaven is a byproduct. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye, the Bible says, appear with him in glory. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the one who's coming down on a white steed, whose name is the word of God, is coming down. Jude tells us he comes with ten thousands of his saints. Praise God. Some of you are struggling with your health. Can I tell you something here this morning? One day, you're going to have a body like unto his glorious body. Mm. Mm. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. There's going to be no PTSD. There's going to be no sickness. All pain is going to be gone. No more sorrow in our lives. No more devils. No more mortgages. No more struggles. No more corruption. No lies. No persecution. No pressure. It's all going to be gone. David, you're exactly on target. Because he said, I saw coming down from heaven that new Jerusalem that new Jerusalem and if I make Christ my life <laughs> one day I'm going to walk through pearl, gates of pearl and these feet are going to walk on streets of gold and I'm going to look at a massive wall made with all these beautiful stones and everything in that city is built with one thing in mind it's built for the centerpiece of that city, which is Jesus. We won't have incandescent light bulbs. We won't have to worry about the LED issue, the incandescent light bulb issue. We ain't going to have any light bulbs. There ain't going to be any light switches. There's going to be no electricity run of that because Jesus is going to be the light of the city. And coming out of him, emanating out of him, is going to be light. And it's going to catch all those beautiful those beautiful stones of the wall and the, the wall, the streets of gold, and, and it's going to reflect and it's going to refract and it's going to draw our attention to He who died for us, shed His blood for us. The Bible talks about one of the grand sea laws of the Scripture, where there's silence. I mean, you can't get some people to shut up, but man, when you get there, we're going to be so awestruck. We made it. We made it. We're here. We're here. No more struggles. No more devils. No more sickness. No more pain. No more sorrow. <laughs> All because of Jesus. Let's stand together this morning.